Well, Brad, uh, Brad Lindmark is joining us today um, on the journey, and uh, welcome uh, for coming the, for coming this morning. And uh, so let me first, uh, just as I always do when we first start, just explain a little bit about what the journey is about. And the journey is um, just having ordinary individuals come on and talk about stories of transformations, uh, talk about stories of resiliency, uh, stories of recreating themselves, either maybe because of some some greater calling than they're being asked to come into, or maybe because of some kind of setback or some kind of thing that may have happened in their life that now because of that, um, they felt like they had to do something and, and, and move forward with that. And, and so I know, Brad, we, we just met recently in the last few months, and um, it was actually at uh, Xavier Whitford's uh, uh, suicide awareness walk right. and um so why don't you just just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are and, and what do you do well i was uh born and raised in this area so okay. rockford has a place in my heart uh currently live in roscoe with my okay. family okay. Uh, parents are still here in rockford okay but uh the, the main thing on uh, my brother that was uh deputy chief police department committed suicide it'll be five years this february 9th okay so it was a, um, a wake-up call, a calling, if you want to call it that, okay. uh, that decided to do something positive, and okay. maybe uh, this won't happen to another family. It's the ultimate dream, although sure. that's, a, that's okay. a dream. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> so we started the foundation to help uh, first responders deal with what they see, the cumulative stress, PTSD, okay. um, and learn so much along the way. It's it's crazy some of the statistics that are out there and why more isn't being done to help the first responders there's it's kind of maddening yeah yeah so so, uh, before we get into uh that element of 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 what uh, what you're doing with the Greg, Greg mm-hmm. Lindmark um, Foundation, um, but this isn't your full time job. Right? No. no. <laughs> so, so what do you what do you what do you do to, uh, to get paid for? <laughs> I'm a salesman, marketing uh, director of a company called American Metal Technologies and okay. Racine. So okay. we do machine sell machine parts, okay. castings, and whatnot. Gotcha. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, about a year and a half at this company, okay. but I've been in die casting and machining thirty two years. Okay, so that's that's been essentially in sales and um, in, right. in, in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so that's what you've been doing. Correct. <laughs> okay, and and you said you're married, right? Right. Yeah. And do you have children? Two children. A okay. son Zach who's nineteen, and my daughter sixteen, Anna. Okay. My wife Margie. Okay. All right. And they, um, your daughter goes to Hananiga, or that's correct. Yeah. Okay. She goes to Hananiga. My son just graduated. Okay. Uh, that's one thing my wife does so much for the foundation. It's kind of crazy that okay. she and the kids too are involved. But okay. uh, without my wife, this probably wouldn't be possible either. I resemble that. <laughs> <laughs> Diane's a big part of uh, my ability to be able to do all the things that I'm, I'm able to do. So, and and so uh, your your brother Greg, um, and and so you grew up here in Rockford. What what high school did you graduate from? Uh, Guilford High School. Guilford. Yeah. Okay. All right. And 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 how many uh, how many individuals in your family? It was just my brother and I. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And Greg was younger, older. He was two years older. Two years older. Yeah. Okay. And he was a police officer. And and. And that and that's what he had done his entire life. Is that yeah, correct? that's all he wanted to do. Even as a kid, he wanted okay. to be a police officer. Interesting. Okay. All right. And then um, mom and dad. Uh, what'd your dad do? My dad was a salesman, also a oh, sales manager. Same thing. Castings. 
Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. And did mom work outside the house? Yeah, she worked for a while there at Lens Pharmacy, if you remember. Lens yeah. Pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then mostly uh, worked in, at home. Okay, gotcha. All right. So, so uh, and when you were in, um, in high school, uh, now, did you go on to school right away afterwards, or were you... Yeah, I went to um, Rock Valley, and then went to Western Illinois for a year, and then back to Rock Valley, played baseball there, and okay, got my marketing degree from Rock Valley. Okay, all right. And so, did you you play baseball at Rock Valley or played baseball at Western? Rock or Valley. Rock Valley. Yeah. Okay, all right. I know that. Is, I don't. I don't know about back then, but I know the sports at Rock Valley have just been amazing. Wow, they've been doing a great job with their athletic programs. Yeah, their phenomenal. softball team, I don't think, lost in what, three years or something oh, yeah. crazy. And their basketball boys and yep. girls have been in the national championship, mm -hmm. have won the national championship. It's been pretty amazing to watch. Yeah, it they, wasn't like that back then. When I went there. And I graduated there as well, and I don't recall it being that way yeah. back in the 80s either. So so, um, so tell me a little, tell us a little bit about is, is when you and Greg were growing up, he was two years younger. And so what was it like from what you remember? That was a couple of years ago when yeah. you guys were growing Just up. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, was, what was it like? How, how did you guys get along? How did, what was Greg like? What were you like back growing up? Uh, as the, uh, Greg was, like I said, two years older. So it was the typical uh, kids when you're kids, you know, always wanting to win. The two of us, my dad used to always say, neither one of you can stand to lose. So yeah. it always ended up in scraps or of some sort or sure. arguments. Um, and as we both grew older he's he was my best friend I okay. mean he was always there for me and okay. he always wanted to be like the big brother you know followed him around and he always let me go with him and his friends as they got older okay. it wasn't a thing he didn't want his little brother around so okay. it was it was it was good growing up so so then Greg uh, graduated from Guilford as well did mm -hmm. he did he go on to school right away yeah, he went to uh, Madison area technical college played basketball there and got okay. his uh, law enforcement degree there Okay, all right. Yeah. And then he came back then to, did he start in Rockford right away? or did He, um, he wanted to. He was a cadet, and then they had a hiring freeze back then. So he went to uh, Lake Forest because he could get on the department there in Lake Forest, Illinois. Okay. And then when Rockford was hiring again, he, he came back and got hired on. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. and um, and so as uh, as he was doing that, now for, you said he always wanted to be a police officer. Always mm -hmm. knew that that's what yep. he wanted to do. And so, when you remember those stories about what did he ever talk to you about what what that was, why that was, or what that was about? I think he never really explained why. That's just what he wanted to do. Sure. And ever since he was probably six or seven, eight years old, he wanted to be a police officer. Okay. And then uh, a Rockford police officer, Charlie Jackson, moved in next door, him and his wife and kids, and, and that just iced it. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> He'd always listened to his stories and uh, sure. wanted to be just like him. So. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot of times uh, about the idea that how something – uh, some either it, it can be positive or negative, but some type of thing will impact us during those grade school years and have an impression on us. Mm -hmm. And we may have an idea about something, and then, as you said, it cements. You know, so right. and and so then we then we know this is what I this is what I want to do, or this is going to be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that that was very much what what it was for Greg. Oh yeah, he 
never veered from that. He just wanted to be a policeman. Okay. And so uh, as as you remember, you know, with his career, and, and you said you guys became not just brothers, but then also became uh, really close friends and, and best mm-hmm. friends as you were uh, going through your adult years. What do you, you know, recall uh, being a brother of a police officer and all the different things? Because I first met Greg um, when I was working at the Harlem School District, mm-hmm. And, um, and he, I was, I was in charge of, I was a school social worker for the self-contained behavior disorder classroom. And, uh, he, uh, he, he came out and was very supportive of what we were doing at at, at Harlem. And I believe at that time he was involved with the gang task force. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he, he was always trying anybody who was willing to, um, bring awareness uh into the into the school system he he seemed to always be there right he's you hear so many stories you know after he's uh left us that uh how much good he did Mm -hmm. he left the uh, masters tournament he went down to watch the masters one year and left to come back to speak uh for the victims of homicides in rockford and i never knew that just one story after another the visitation it wasn't just a sorry for your loss when people came through the line. Everybody had a story. It's, yeah. He was always there for everybody. It really helped his community. And anything to make it better, he was for it. Or the comfort, uh, other officers have told me, they wish they had a dollar for every time they walked by his office when he was consoling uh, family members from a homicide. Yeah. Well, you know, you, when you just talked about that, I... I, for the last 10 years, I've been running that group for the um, homicide support mm-hmm. group for the state's attorney's office. And in all the, all the times that I was there for in the, over the last 10 years, um, Greg would be there every time. Mm-hmm. Every, every time that, you know, I, I don't think he ever missed the, of the times that I was there. And, um, and sometimes, you know, he spoke the one time I know, and then other times he was just there and just being, mm-hmm. um, uh, just being a support. And, um, I, I definitely think that's uh, you know that was the impression I got was um, that the families who struggled so much with having someone in their life taken as, from a violent crime mm-hmm. um, that he he you know it's a tough it's tough because right. as as a police officer as a detective um, there's a lot of things you can't share um, as they're trying to build a case and there's frustration of not being able. Um, you know, sometimes there isn't anything, there isn't a lot to go on, and right. and, and you want, you want to be able to help those uh, those family members. Yeah, that's uh, you mentioned earlier about uh, being a, a policeman, a family member of a policeman. I mean, there's times that they would, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, you didn't know if he was going to be there or not. It just depended if something happened, he had to go. Right. Um, kids' birthdays, anything, parents' birthdays, yeah. he. If he had to go, he had to go. Yeah. And it was, it was quite a few times that he didn't know if he's going to be there or not. But and I know that that weighed on him too. But it's mm-hmm. it's your job. That's he took right. very serious. And mm-hmm. like I say, he that was his calling. Sure, sure. And as as again being being a, a not only a family member, but be a brother, and, and you guys were very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If those times, obviously. Um, there's times when um, what a police officer, what a detective is, uh, what they're exposed to. And in, um, in, in, in therapy, we refer to it as secondary trauma. 
Um, it's that when a traumatic event happens to someone and then they're retelling that story or um, in this case uh, a first responder, a police officer comes to the scene, most of the time it's after the scene, after right. the incident has already happened. And, um, and then when someone starts internalizing that and any, anything, and then sometimes, right, with a family member, I've, I've counseled different family members over the years, and then they hear about the stories, maybe not from their loved one, maybe mm -hmm. not from the police officer, the first responder, but they read from the paper and they read, uh, they hear about stuff in the news and then they right. start filling in the blanks. Um, what was that like uh, as a family member, knowing that your brother was involved with a lot of different things um, because of his job, mm -hmm. um, and some of the ugly things that happen in our community, um, he was asked to step into that. All right. Uh, I guess the biggest thing I take away from all that is, is how proud I was okay. to be his brother. Um, everything he did for the community, um, the victims of crimes, solving crimes, he took it so serious uh, as to no case go unsolved. He worked it. He worked it hard. Um, it just—I guess—that's the biggest thing. It's just beaming with pride to mm -hmm. be his brother. Okay. All right. You said uh, you said something earlier about the idea of uh, there's a tendency that a younger brother looking up to an older brother, mm -hmm. anyways. But then, right. when when your older brother is that active in the community and 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 is as well known as well respected as Greg. Greg mm -hmm. has been and, and continues, you know, um, when people talk about him. Uh, so, so t t let's let's talk a little bit about what what happened with Greg. As far as you understand, as far as you know, what happened? Um, he worked for thirty some years, mm -hmm. and and then he retired. And and so, tell us a little bit about what you understood um, uh, has happened, and and so we can kind of maybe get a little bit of a grasp because part of Part of this particular conversation, for sure, is we want individuals to know not only your story as, as someone who has been impacted by a family member having um, depression and, mm -hmm. and as a result of that then dying from suicide, but then also um, the fact that he was a first responder, he was a police officer, and, and, and what that was about and then what the, what the foundation does. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you understood? Uh, un unfortunately, uh, this isn't a unique case there's just too many first responders committing suicide uh, and it's not just suicide it's like you said depression it affects people in so many different ways um, a statistic that just drives me crazy is every day in the united states three first responders commit suicide mm. why is that what other profession would that be allowed before somebody stepped in and did something to help yeah. Uh, which is kind of where the foundation, uh, the idea of it started, you know, with obviously losing Greg. But it's, I learned so much about these different statistics. Police officers are 60% more likely to commit suicide than any other profession. Why is that? How can this keep going on in this country? I mean, the, the three suicides a day by first responders are, are just the reported ones. There's who knows how many unreported on top of that number. Right. Um, it's... It's crazy that uh, this still happens in the United States. Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's everybody. It's yeah. the victims, it's the families of the victims. Um, too often, I think, our police officers and firefighters and 9-11 dispatchers, all of them, it's, 
my brother wasn't a deputy chief. He he was a deputy chief. Let me clarify that. Yeah. But that isn't who he was. Yeah. Uh, that was his job. That was his profession. Yeah. Uh, too often, I think, uh, oh, he's a firefighter. Oh, he's a policeman. No, they're human beings. Yeah. Right. They deal with things that it shouldn't be their identity. Right. Um, that's just what they do for a living. I'm a salesman. Nobody looks at me and says, oh, there's he's a salesman. Yeah. It's it's the human part of it um, for the first responders and the victims and the families of the victims. And it it's just a big snowball effect that uh, it, it's devastating mm-hmm. that, that this is allowed to keep going on in this country. It's right. We're better than this. Yeah. Uh, the law being passed, the Officer Greg Mark Memorial Law, which uh, got passed by a cumulative vote of 202 to 0 downstate a couple years ago, that is going to require police officers to uh, train down the academy in PTSD, cumulative stress, uh, recognition of. Then every three years they take a refresher course. Okay. So that was uh, big for the foundation and big that my brother's name is attached to that law. Yeah. It, uh, hopefully that helps too, that it gets it out there more, the stigma of uh, I'm a policeman, I'm a firefighter, I'm tough, I don't, I don't need help. You know, mm-hmm. I just, well, what if somebody finds out I went for counseling? Will they yeah. take my badge? Will they mm-hmm. take my gun? Uh, will I be suspended? It's it's that that needs to be broken down. It's like we always say, it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can speak on that, and for whoever may be listening, uh, regarding uh, if a police officer or first responder of any type um, does seek out help, does seek mm-hmm. out counseling, um, maybe it's because of PTSD, and so PTSD symptoms, maybe it's because of anxiety, maybe it's because of depression, or maybe just some family problems. Are they at risk of losing their position, their badge, uh, losing their gun? I, I don't think they are anymore, mm-hmm. um, but it's still that stigma attached yeah. to it. And and the biggest thing is breaking down that I'm a tough firefighter, I'm a tough policeman, uh, this can't be happening to me, mm-hmm. bury it inside. Uh, think of a police officer or a fireman that comes home at night to his wife. Uh, he, he'd just been shot at. How was your day, honey? I was fine. Does he want to tell his wife he was shot at to worry her? No. no. Uh, police, police officers, uh, spouses, uh, when their husband or wife goes to work, they think, oh, just bring them home safe. You know? mm-hmm. There's more suicides by police officers than in the line of death duties. Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about that, it, and rightly so. They should be worried about them coming home safely. Sure. I'm not downplaying that at all, but the bigger fear should be the suicide and your mental health yeah. it's not just suicide it's depression it's yeah. alcohol uh, abuse of any kind um, just being healthy you take care of your physical health mm-hmm. not your mental health why is that yeah. i don't know well and and just as similar to yourself uh, as a response to um, something my son had gone through with his classmates, I started Shatter Our Silence, mm-hmm. um, the nonprofit for suicide awareness for young adults. And um, in, as I was, even though I'd been uh, a social worker for 25 years at that time, um, what I come to realize about about suicide and, and the, the counter-transference that um, therapists have regarding that, professionals in general have, and the stigma around it. Suicide is the end result mm-hmm. um, of that darkness um, consuming. Um, most of the time when we've um, done the research and, and, and 
my my own personal, uh, just with the clients that I've worked with over the years and then research that I've, that I've done with studies, that most people who are in that darkness, that, that darkest of dark places with the hopelessness and despair is the greatest, they don't necessarily want to die, but they want their situation to change. Mm-hmm. But they've come to believe because of the depression, which lies to them, uh, they don't think there's another option. So they take this permanent solution to what could conceivably be a temporary problem mm-hmm. because they just, for, for whatever reasons, can't see around the next corner. Now, we, right. of course, afterwards, you know, we, like, if we just would have and it just could have, you know, that there's a whole other space open up, you know, around that corner. Um, but I think that's part of what happens with the depression. Um, it may start off as anxiety. It may start off as PTSD. But the more that it's kept inside... That depression grows stronger, the walls come in more and more, and that darkness grows. And I think that's at least that's um, what I've come to learn about in that darkest place. Um, it, it ends up being not not all the time, but a lot of times, uh, you know, a, a decision based upon that feeling, that sense that it's not going to change. Um, and and so many times. If we could just, you know, buy some more, help them buy some more time, right. you know, um, this type of intervention, talk to this person, wh- whatever it may be. Um, and I think, um, you know, there is misconceptions about about it. And, it, well, if I, if I go to the doctor and get on an antidepressant, uh, which is a big step for a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, then that'll fix everything. But... A medication isn't going to cure PTSD. Right. It is not going to heal PTSD. It'll help you with what may be going on regarding the depression so you can do the work mm-hmm. regarding what you've experienced. Right. And then you see on the commercials for these drugs, you yeah. know, it's, uh, it may cause suicide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was supposed to do the opposite. Yeah. But, yeah, it's the drug isn't the answer. It's yeah. It's getting mentally healthy. Yeah. It can be part of the formula, mm-hmm. right? It can it can be part of the formula, um, but in itself, there needs to be um, there needs to be another component which we start looking into. What is the story that that person is telling themselves based upon that event? Right. Um, when um, it, as close as it, well, going back to with Greg's story, uh, Greg had worked hard in his career and he had been a lot of different. Um, a lot of different roles, a lot of different positions, and he had ascended um, to the rank of deputy chief, mm-hmm. which is, for the people who may not know, um, if, if you think about, uh, like, you know, the chief of police, right, and then is the next step down deputy chief? Yeah, the next step is deputy chief. Next step, mm-hmm. okay. And there's just one deputy chief? or At the time, there were, uh, when Greg was a deputy chief, there were four Okay, so so like maybe over a particular type of division or a particular type of mm-hmm. okay. right. They have the different divisions. He had uh, violent crimes. Gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, and so his his career from that standpoint had been very acknowledged. Had been very successful, mm-hmm. um, and then he had he had retired. How old was he when he retired? I believe he was fifty one when he retired, and then uh, he took a job as lead investigator. For Briscato. Okay, for the state's attorney mm-hmm. at that right. time. Yep. Okay. 
And it was that a full time job as well? It was well, it was full time, uh, forty hours. But the hours that uh, Greg kept that was part time because I I would say he averaged seventy to eight hours a week. Okay, he was always gone. Okay, so was so he was still involved with doing some, but his role had changed. Right, and 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 obviously, and I'm guessing and not knowing for sure, but but then some of the the brotherhood of being on the and the Rockford Police Department may have been different because mm-hmm. I would assume that was different than just being a lead investigator. Right. It, it, I mean, it's a brotherhood, uh, police and fire. They all have it, and, and that's wonderful. Um, I kind of saw that come together uh, when Kevin Rice was killed. Mm-hmm. He was uh, in the gang unit that Greg was in charge of at the time. Mm-hmm. and it's, It is a brotherhood. It's, it helps get through. Um, it's... Kevin's death. I mean, Greg worked. It happened on Greg's birthday, August third, actually, at like one in the morning. And he called me about three in the morning and said, "Hey, I just wanted to let you know, Kevin was killed because I was friends with Kevin and his brother Elmer. And Greg and I would do things together. And before you heard it on the news, man, I just want to let you know I got to go." Uh, he goes, "I don't know when I'll be home. I think he worked uh, three days straight without sleep until they caught." Uh, Caught that fellow that did it. So it was. Uh, that's another thing. I mean, how do you wake up and get a call? One of your good friends just was murdered, and you stay up for three days and and solve the case. But at the time, I remember I called him. How you doing? Maybe you should come home. You know, get some sleep or something. No, I'm, I got to do this. I can't. You know, mm-hmm. other people are going home. We got to find this guy. It's not gonna. Yeah. So it's. There's a lot of different. Uh, I was just a friend that died, but there's a lot of different things that happen in, in all first responders' lives. Greg yeah. isn't uh, unique by any means. Right. I mean, they all see it. Right. Yeah. You had mentioned when we had talked before is is um, what what kind of warning signs did you see with with Greg? Typically, they say that there's um, you know there's warning signs. Um, leading up to it, did you see any mm-hmm. any indicators that he was in a depression or a depression that was that was possibly leading to suicide? I never dreamed uh, it would come to suicide. Uh, he he was kind of uh, withdrawn. Did, wasn't as active as he used to be. Uh, laid around more, and he never laid around. Okay. <laughs> and, and part of uh, little brother, family member, whoever you think uh, maybe just tired. You know, he's been running his whole life, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, never would have dreamed of it, and I believe it was you that uh, I talked to about suicide at the time, and I always thought it was, uh, I don't want to say selfish, um, but I think, I think uh, Kevin, you told me that it's the most unselfish act that someone could do because when a person commits suicide more times than not, they think that everyone around them is better off if they're not in it. And uh, that was a really eye-opener for me when we talked about that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think a lot of times, you know, for people who are listening who've lost someone from suicide, and, and because of that loss, they, they may still be wrestling with that and, mm-hmm. and struggling with that, so they may be upset, be angry, and that's a normal, that's normal. It's a mm-hmm. normal response to someone being gone and that... Um, because typically, like if someone dies from a violent crime or from a, from an accident or cancer takes them, then you can be mad at 
right. the perpetrator. You could be mad at the person driving the car. You could be mad at the cancer um, because you took my loved one, you took my friend, um, and, and they were victimized by that. But I think what complicates it with, with suicide is, is that this person chose. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is one of the elements that we, we struggle with is, yes, technically, there, there, is, um, there was a choice, but it, it is so many times so influenced by the depression that they believe that they're in this darkness, that they believe the thoughts of, well, she'll be better off if I'm not here. He'll, he'll be better off. Um, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. I don't want... Um, you know, I'm not who I used to be. I, I, I can't do this. I don't see, you know, the, we're not going this way anymore. We're mm-hmm. doing this way. And, and, and that's where that depression distorts things. Um, it distorts the thoughts. It's almost like, um, there's a haze. And, and I imagine that, you know, if you spend, you know, you talked about being sleep deprived for three days, um, that's going to distort your perceptions as well. Um, but depression also distorts that perception and we start, a person may start believing, um, that they would be better off. People would be better off if they weren't, weren't here. And, um, and I don't know many people who've been, um, left behind that would agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, I would, you know, I've had many family members tell me they would, you know, like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> We're not better off that you're not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, not just my brother, but my best friend, you know, and you think of it as, uh, man, what more could I have done? Um, should I have talked to him more? Should I, I don't want to say intervene because I didn't really see a reason to intervene, right. but that kind of leaves the family members and uh, my wife and my kids and my parents talk about it too. I mean, it's like, what, what should we have done? Mm-hmm. Um, educating yourself, which I've done through this, you know, starting the foundation and, and the good that we're doing. It's, if I known then what I know now, I, I don't it's it's a tough thing mm-hmm. uh, for anybody with suicide uh, that happens in their family. It's you're constantly fighting the what if yeah. I had done this or that. But yeah. the more I learn, uh, the easier that is to get a get a hold of. Well, and I and I do think that it's very much. Um, that's I think it's a pretty normal normal response. Mm-hmm. You know, if I if I knew what I know now, mm-hmm. then I would have. I wouldn't know what I know now if that would have happened, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and, and that's part of part of the journey of recreating ourselves because, you know, there's this there was a study that was done by the uh, international um, study on victim uh, victimhood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people that have been uh, impacted by um, like uh, trauma such as uh, national disasters or um, some type of uh, mass shooting or, it, but it could be as big as that, but it also could be as uh, traumatic as uh, a death by suicide or, or some kind of uh, setback because of a, a life-changing injury. And they say that all people, re- all people respond to these types of instances in one of three ways. Um, it, one, some people permanently um, get stuck. 
they're permanently dispirited. Mm-hmm. You know, so they get they get to this point. This happens to them, and they are caught in that what that what if and and being stuck with what could I have done? Why didn't I do? Why this happened to me? And they get stuck there, and 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 that's where they stay. Others, I don't know exactly how they do this, but they somehow then move on, mm-hmm. as if it maybe didn't even happen at all. I'm not for sure how category number two I works. I don't know how that would work either. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the third category is that that because this event happened, it then calls them to something greater than themselves, something that they wouldn't have done if this wouldn't have happened. So they take that pain, they take the energy from that pain, um, that loss, and then they move forward to try to be part of a solution um, to maybe um, – so it doesn't happen again or at least reduces that. And I think that's very much, it sounds like what happened with yourself. Yeah, I was definitely in the f- number one category for a while. Okay. I was stuck uh, for quite some time. Uh, my wife kind of drug me out of that. Okay. Um, oh, I have two children to live for, parents. Yeah. And then it was, you know, going into the number three. It's it's definitely a calling. It's a very I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, even like the confidential counseling we offer. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you see the first person that used it, I got the bill from the counselor, and it's just the counselor's last name, a patient number, how yeah. many visits. It's totally confidential. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to know. I don't care. But yeah. when I got the first bill, I remember it like it was yesterday sitting on the couch, and the hair went up on my arms, and tears came down my cheeks. It's like, I didn't know if I should be happy or sad at that time because, yeah, we're doing something to help, but it's unfortunate. Somebody needs the help, yeah. but God bless them for getting it. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so one of the things the foundation does is, is it, I mean, it, it, it works at trying to raise awareness mm-hmm. and, and raising uh, resources and funds so that one of the initiatives is um, not only to be able to you know, possibly change legislation so that certain things are required of first responders, but then it's also, as you just mentioned, um, to provide um, – Counseling. So, so, speak a little bit about how does the foundation, um, on the political end, you've already talked about that a little bit. What, what it's mm-hmm. doing to try to make things change at the macro level, but then on, on the on the very much on the ground level, talk about a little bit about what the foundation um, offers to do. Uh, well, well, first of all, the confidential counseling, which you know we feel is, is more of a band aid. It's not getting the law. Hopefully, will help um, so they don't get to that point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that'll be the case or not. I, the counseling is always needed. I mean, it's, well, you're a counselor, you know that. Everybody needs to take care of their mental health. Um, we also do, uh, we're sponsoring a therapy dog that'll go around to the different fire stations. Um, we've gone to fire departments, talked a little bit at meetings, uh, brought in food for them, just to let people know we're there for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the awareness um, just in the community of, you know, trying to humanize our first responders. They're not police, like I said earlier. They're not firemen. They're humans. Um, And the statistics I mentioned earlier, again, that's something that people don't know. It's Mm -hmm. it's crazy that is allowed to happen. Um, We do, when a spouse is killed, uh, suicide, or uh, officers killed by suicide or in the line of duty, we offer financial assistance right away, uh, mm-hmm. just a, a donation to their surviving spouse. Okay. Uh, geez, there's so many things we do. Um, if somebody has stress that uh, 
something causing stress, a, a child is sick in the hospital, we'll offer financial assistance, uh, donations, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's just anything to help any first responder. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what we're there for. Okay. If you visit our website, which is greglinmarkfoundation.com, you can see the whole list. We want to be transparent with it. Mm-hmm. We don't want anyone to ever question, where's this money going? Sure. Um, right. So we, d- we list uh, about 95% of the things we've done. We need to update it again, but are on our website. Okay. So if, if someone wanted um, to get involved with the Greg Lindmark uh, Foundation, what would, you know, because anytime we do these talks, right, mm-hmm. there's going to be a, a possible, what, what could they do? What's, what's the call to action? And, and, and so one way would be to you know, go to the website and, mm-hmm. and possibly donate. And so that's, that's right. one way. But what, what are some other ways uh, that people can? You can go to the website. If they want to volunteer, there's an area there they can fill okay. out. Um, we're always looking for help. It's, okay. it's a second full-time job that you yeah, don't get sure, paid for, sure, but yeah. I do get paid for it. In, uh, I mean, it's part of the healing. Yeah. And to help first responders that are always there for us. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. Uh, we had an uh, annual, uh, we're going to have them a couple times a year now, pre- first responder appreciation dinner. I believe we talked about yeah. that. Yeah. We were possibly speaking at our yeah. next one. Yeah. Um, I had somebody ask me, why would you do this? I'm thinking, I, I held up for a little bit because yeah. I couldn't say what was on my mind, but yeah. I'm like, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why would somebody ask that question? Mm-hmm. Why would you have an appreciation dinner for first responders? He probably didn't mean it that way when he asked me that question. Sure. Every day we should be appreciating him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you think of a profession, you make a phone call, they come, sirens blurring, and they're coming to help you. Yeah. Um, should you appreciate that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would be we without them as a country? It's right. craziness. Right. Um, so, you know, uh, like you were talking about, helping out, someone mm-hmm. could come, come and volunteer and be part yeah. of when you guys are doing the, the appreciation dinners. I know you have a golf outing that's yeah. coming up um, in August, is that correct? August 9th, yeah, August. Forest Hills. And so um, there's probably going to be some needs for some help. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's going to be a, a pretty yeah. big event that you're going to have, and, and people can be either either participate in that, right, mm-hmm. and, and either um, by golfing or, or donating regarding that particular event itself but mm-hmm. then also you'll just need physical bodies that maybe right. people that don't have necessarily financial resources to know that but maybe they can donate their time oh absolutely we always need help in the time and there, there's also a dinner only option you want to okay. come for dinner come for dinner there's okay. a social hour in between there uh, show up and show your support for the first responders sure. uh, somebody wants to volunteer their time that would be great we're always looking for help <laughs> sure. well and i know that even sometimes simple things uh uh having uh bands right mm-hmm. uh um could be just wearing that and right. and then knowing the story about what does the bracelet represent and mm-hmm. then being able to share that because you had said something earlier and i've talked to many individuals who who who've chosen door number three when mm-hmm. they've had a traumatic event happen in their life and they talk about what you just said is that this has been a way for them to take that energy in the grief and the loss and that change and then be able to um, channel it to learn more about it and and then also um, be able to possibly make a difference and so that it doesn't happen again and if and if nothing else maybe we can bring some awareness and break some of the stigma right 
around it and some of the misconceptions that we have, not only just about mental illness, but how does mental illness um, and just what first responders go through, how can we just raise that awareness um, and, and so that they can come home safely to their family and, and not just be part of the community as their job right. and their calling, but then also just as, as people in the community. Yeah, that's the, like you just said, making sure they come home safely and, and healthy, mentally healthy yeah. for their family. Um, it's it's just it's needed. I mean, yeah. we want to be national. That's our, our yeah. big dream. Okay. But uh, you have to walk before you can run. Sure. Uh, the law we got passed, that should be nationwide. Why yeah. wouldn't it be? Right. Um, and we're, we're working towards that goal, mm-hmm. but it's... It's it's good healing process. I think we're doing some good things out there. I've uh, had a couple people come up to me, thanking me and telling me uh, firsthand how much you know it's helped them uh, heal, help them get mentally healthy, possibly avoid suicide. So, I think we've saved some lives already. So we're happy. Good deal. It's um, you know it's amazing. Well, let me. I'm gonna go back to just for clarification if there is a, a family member or a first responder listening when you talk about um, free counseling you, you're you don't have counselors on staff at the foundation you have if a if a, an officer or first responder goes to an agency and they don't want to either go through their insurance mm-hmm. is that what you mean by yeah we have uh, four counselors now that oh you do have work four with counselors. us yeah okay, okay. Um, so they their names are in the card on our okay. website. Okay. We're, we're trying to find another one. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> New okay. cards are going to be made up soon, Kevin. Okay. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. So those are individuals that are working strictly for the foundation. They have uh, they have their own practices. practices gotcha. But they've okay. just kind of you know they're they've dealt with first responders similar like yourself. Yep, yep. Um, okay. So it's a good fit that way. Okay, so then mm-hmm. they will allocate so many so many slots or, or however that would be. Right, and then they just bill me for their time. So. I understand. Okay, mm-hmm. so so that will help from a, from a clear because we have talked about yeah. that before. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that people kind of get somewhat of an understanding of how that how that works. Mm-hmm. So so there are individuals that the police officers and the or the first responders and the families would recognize that you have talked to these four or five counselors. They know what it's like to work with first responders and they have a certain uh, level of experience as well as understanding and empathy of of working with first responders. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's a good fit. We just need to fill one more slot. (laughs) (laughs) I feel my arm being (laughs) twisted here. (laughs) No, I, I have, um, I have always had a deep appreciation and, and have, uh, uh, worked with police officers first responders so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll definitely talk right. <laughs> we'll definitely talk i didn't mean to put you on the yeah, spot no. even though i did mean to put you yeah, on the spot <laughs> i understand <laughs> you know you said something earlier about saving um there's always been already been good that's been done and and we've already saved lives and and one of the things that i i realize when we do this type of work is that we'll never know how many funerals we didn't go to Mm-hmm. And um, and that's okay, right? You know, but it's it's hard to measure prevention and early intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to me- measure the statistic of what happens when things go wrong or go bad, um, but it's hard to measure um, 
you know, prevention and early intervention. But, um, but you guys are doing a great job. You're raising awareness. There's a lot of people that know about what you're doing. And most importantly, you're providing um, resources for people. Mm-hmm. If as we wrap up, uh, what would if there's one thing that you'd want to share with anyone that may be listening about, either about your journey, about the foundation, about uh, your your relationship with Greg, anything? I guess it's uh, the, a couple things. First of all, like I'd said a couple times already, uh, he was my best friend. He was always there for me. Mm-hmm. I think he would be very proud of the work we're doing because uh, he cared so much about you know, his fellow officers and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's okay not to be okay is, is the big thing. Yeah. Um, when, when something happens, you know, we had, we had our, our pity parties. We had, I was in, you know, not a great spot there for a while. Uh, but if you can turn something so negative in your life uh, into a positive, there's, it's a great feeling and it's very rewarding. Um, like I said, it's just passionate about about helping the first responders. The awareness. Thanks for having me on because uh, this will help raise it too. There's, it's we're here for the first responders and and their families. I mean, they're always there for us. Why not, right? Right. Exactly. Well, Brad, thank you very much for being here for the, for the work that you're doing um, with the foundation, um, being a testament of your own story of, of healing and talking about. Um, what it was like um, going through this journey of not only being um, being Greg's brother and mm-hmm. and um, when he was you know when he was alive, but then also the journey uh, since he's died and what you've done with that and and so that as we say all the time that you know this is another way of that he won't be forgotten and mm-hmm. that this this though it was a tragic end of his physical life. Um, the legacy in which he did for the community, in which he did for his fellow police officers, um, will live on as as you continue to carry that. So, so thank you very much thank for you, being Kevin. here. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks and, for having uh, me. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here today. Um, definitely check out uh, the Greg Lindmark Foundation.com. That's the website. And if you can and feel moved to participate um, by either donating or just becoming more aware about the foundation, um, please do that. Um, Again, I want to thank Brad for being here, and thank you for listening today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.